If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find 2 Samuel chapter 10. And uh, if you were not aware or didn't notice, the window is open behind us this morning. We have two baptisms in the second service. And so, amen. So we're very thankful for that. And uh, today I want to talk to you about choices. And uh, especially just this question, what will you choose? Uh, If you remember last week, or if you were not here, we saw that a man had died. And King David had reached out to his son, who was a king of a neighboring country, and wanted to uh, extend kindness, the Bible says. That this man's father, even though he was wicked and evil, had been kind to David. And when he sent messengers to be kind, uh, the king's advisors said, he doesn't really want to be kind. He really doesn't want to uh, look out for your well-being. He is just trying to trick us. And so they, if you remember, they shaved their beards and they cut their clothing and humiliated them. And today I want to talk to you about this because I think this is probably, as I talked about last week, loving difficult people, one of the most challenging things to do. But this week, I think it is almost as equal as challenging because the very first line in verse 6, I want to read it, just the beginning of verse 6. It says, When the people of Ammon saw that they themselves had made themselves repulsive to David. You see, they realize that they have messed up. They realize they have angered the king of Israel. They realize they have hurt someone who is trying to be kind to them. And this morning, no matter what relationship you have in your life, whether it is a spouse, whether it is a child, whether it is a relationship at church, whether it is a relationship at work, whether it is your relationship with the Lord, at some point you will make a mistake. You say, not me, Jake, I've been married 65 years and it's all been great, everything's been her fault. You are a liar. You say, Jake, I've been a member of this church for 45 years and never offended anybody, never made any problems, never caused anyone heartache, then you've never been here. Well, Jake, I work, the people I work with, they're the problem. Yes, probably most of the time, but all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. And this morning I want you to see this because most of us do not have the courage to say, I have made myself repulsive to them. You say, Jake, that's a terrible word. I don't like that word. I don't, I don't want to think about that word. I, when I think of repulsive, I think of that person who's got bad BO, right? And won't wear deodorant. I, I think of that person who's got terrible breath and I don't want to be around. I think of that person that's got a filthy mouth with filthy language, and when I'm around them, I just think, But friends, these people realize that they had made themselves repulsive to David. And this morning, I want you to see something. They had a choice to make. And this morning, you and I have a choice to make. We can make a choice of how we are going to move forward in our relationship with others. You say, Jake, I just don't care what people think about me. I don't care if I'm repulsive to other people. I don't care if I've hurt other people. Then you are not a Christian. Because the Bible says that you will be known 
by how you love one another. And we love because we were first loved. And so this morning, if you are here and you say, Jake, I don't care about my relationship to God. I don't care about my relationship to my spouse. I don't care about my relationship to those that I've hurt or been hurt by. Friends, there is a bigger problem. But this morning, I want to show you that the choice is yours. And so if you would pray with me, and we're going to jump right in. Father, today I pray that you would give me wisdom, Lord, that I do not have, Lord, on my own, but Lord, that your spirit would lead me, guide me, direct me. Father, that he would help me to be bold to the things that I don't want to say. God, that you would close my mouth to the things that my flesh wants to say. Lord, I pray that you'd make this into the church, this the people that you would have us to be. And God, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning I want to show you, if you're taking notes, we have a choice to make, rebellion or repentance. We have a choice to make, rebellion or repentance. So they get to this place, they realize they have made David angry, they realize they have made themselves repulsive. There are two options they could do. One, they could have reached out to David and said, we have sinned. We have done something we should not have done. We ask your forgiveness. We ask your mercy. We ask your grace in our lives in this time. But let's be honest. None of us wants to do that. None of us wants to admit that we've made a mistake. None of us wants to admit that we have sinned. None of us want to admit that it could be Our fault. I don't know if you know this or not, but at some time, if you can't get along with anybody, the problem might not be everybody. The problem might be me. The problem might be you. And so when we see this here, the option is either repentance or rebellion. And think about your relationship with God this morning. If you were here and you were a child of God, the Spirit of God at some point in your life convicted you, drew you, showed you that you needed a Savior. You repented of your sins, turned from your wickedness, and trusted Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. That was a moment of repentance, not rebellion. But friends, there are people who will rebel. There are people who will harden their hearts. There are people who will refuse. And friends, they have chose rebellion over Repentance. As a believer, after you are saved, every day the Spirit of God still is in you, indwelling you, and He is wanting to lead you and guide you and direct you. And the Bible says, quench not the Holy Spirit, grieve not the Holy Spirit. You see, when you sin, when you do something that breaks God's law, whether it's in your relationship to another person, whether it's in your personal life, You have a choice when the Spirit of God convicts you and says you have become repulsive. It is either to repent or rebel. Same thing as a child. Children, your parents give you an instruction. You have the choice to either obey it and to do it, or if you fail, to admit and turn from it, or just to rebel. And this morning I want you to know that rebellion and repentance both have outcomes. And let's let's look here this morning at what these people choose. When the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, 
and from the king of Makkah, 1,000 men, and from Ishtab, 12,000 men. Now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of their gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth Rahab, Ishtab, and Makkah were by themselves in the field. You see, David had not chosen at this point to go after them. He had been wronged. He had been offended. And instead of these people saying, we have sinned, we have made a mistake, we're going to try to find forgiveness, they do what we do. We'll just find people to fight with us. We'll just find people to come to our side. We'll hide our mistakes and try to handle it ourselves. And friends, this morning I know this is going to hit extremely close to home, but I'm leaving today for church camp. I have no phone service, so you can take it up with someone else. All right? In this life, you are going to sin. You are going to hurt people. You're going to disappoint people. You're going to let people down. And friends, you can either do one of two things. You can ask God for forgiveness and forgiveness from them. Or you can say, God, I didn't do it. I'm not going to claim it. And I will begin to start a rebellion. Friends, I want you to see this. When rebellion comes, judgment comes. David says, fine. If you want to raise up an army for offending me, then I'll send mine. I don't know if you know this or not, but this group of people would have realized something. That David has been beating everybody. David has not lost. David has been victorious. David has defeated a rebellion. David has outwithstood the king, King Saul. He has fought every nation around him and won. And these people make a decision that we're going to fight instead of find forgiveness. You say, Jake, what does that mean for me? Well, I want to read from you the book of Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You see, Jesus says that. You say, Jake, how does that correlate? Friends, my prayer for the last two years has been, Jake, you want to be a know-it-all. And Jake, you love to always be right. And Jake, you love for people to think the best of you. Now, you might not have those struggles, but I do. Those are things that I struggle with.
but I have been trying to pray, God, I will give it all up to try to please You. God, if You think highly of me, it does not matter what other people think. God, if You will forgive me, I will apologize to people that I don't think deserve it. God, if You will bless me and forgive me and show me Your favor, God, I will sacrifice what I have for people that did not earn it. Friends, I don't always do a very good job of it. I don't always do a very good job of turning the other cheek. I don't always do a job of forgiving others. I definitely do not always do a good job of keeping my mouth shut and letting the Lord fight my battles for me. But friends, I am telling you something. If you want the favor of God, if you want the blessing of God, if you want the provision of God, you have to get to a point where you say, God, I have made mistakes. I have sinned. I might not have sinned this time. I might not have failed this person. But God, I will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to make you happy and to try to reconcile. You see, I think that is important today because we don't do it. We literally build a culture in church that it's better to hide your sin than to admit it. But yet the Bible says that God is faithful unto us to forgive all of our unrighteousness. But if we're honest this morning, all of us have not been forgiven. And all of us have not forgiven others. You know why it's so hard for us to ask for forgiveness? Because in our minds we're saying, I wouldn't forgive them. I wouldn't give them a second chance. I wouldn't turn the other cheek. And most of us base our spirituality on our righteousness and not the perfect righteousness of Jesus. If Jesus says He's faithful and just to forgive, if Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, that's what we base our relationship with. That's how we forgive. That's how we Love. And so this morning is yours and the choice is mine. Do we rebel or do we repent? What does it look like in our life? I want to show you the second thing this morning as you get it quieter and quieter as we go. God either fights for us or against us. God either fights for us or against us. The choice you make, rebellion or repentance... Repentance, God's fights for you. Rebellion, God fights against you. Look what it says starting in verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him, before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And don't miss this. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai 
and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. You see, Joab shows up for battle. He puts his soldiers the way he thinks they should be, what he thinks is best. But did you hear what he said? May God do what is right in His sight. Joab recognized that he could have the right battle plans. He could have the right amount of soldiers. He could have the right game plan. He could have everything organized the way he wanted. But if God was against them, there was nothing that they could accomplish. He had seen what God could do as David was running in the wilderness. He had seen what David and what God would do for David as he would fight for him. And what Joab recognized is something you and I need to remember. Is friends, it might not matter what the world tells you to do. It doesn't matter what your family tells you to do. It doesn't matter what your favorite self-help book tells you to do. You need to put yourself in a place that says, God, I am not going to fight this. I am going to let you fight it for me. God, I'll let you stop the lies. God, I'll let you restore the brokenhearted. God, I'll let you take care of the straight, crooked paths that need to be made straight. God, I will trust you and I will let you fight for me. But you see, you can't do that if you're in charge. You can't do that if you're the rebel. You can't do that if you're running. You have to be willing to say, God, here I am broken and sinful. God, here I am with nothing to offer. God, I want Your forgiveness. God, I want Your provision. God, I want Your presence. And God, I will do what You tell me to do even if it makes no sense. I do not understand in my flesh why an all-powerful God wants me to love my enemies. I would just love for Him to wipe my enemies out. I would love to live a problem-free life with God just zapping them off. I'd even preach their funerals. You say, Jake, that's cruel. Just telling you what my flesh says. But the Spirit of God teaches us that Jesus loved His enemies that God loved His enemies so much that He sent His only begotten Son. The Bible teaches us that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. That God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so if that is how a perfect, holy God loves, then that's how I should love as well. Listen to what Psalm 27 says. Because this morning you might be saying, Jake, you just don't know the power this person has in my life. Jake, you don't know the damage they've done to my reputation. Jake, you don't know the pain that they have caused me. Listen to what the writer of Psalm 27 says, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh. Now this is not cannibalism. This is not walking dead. It just means to devour and to destroy your life. My enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, 
my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. I want you to see this. Darkness, Jesus is the light. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what can't be controlled. God is the strength. When your enemies, when the wicked come against you, God will cause them to stumble. God will cause them to be falling. When they circle around you, and I don't want you to miss the significance of this this morning, because this idea of encampment is when you are outgunned, you are outmanned, and they have you surrounded. There is no fighting, there is no retreating, there is only surrender. I don't know if you've been watching anything about the war in Ukraine, but I was reading an article this week about soldiers who have came from other countries who are fighting in Ukraine, for Ukraine, against Russia. And they were telling them that if you are going to fight, you should keep one bullet in a different pocket. And when that time comes, if you are going to be captured, don't let them. Because what you will go through is unimaginable. And so they are telling them to keep one extra bullet in the other pocket. Friends, that's the hopelessness of the situation in Psalm 27. And what does that look like today in your life? I don't know. Maybe it's the miserable marriage that you're in. Maybe it's the brokenness in relationships that you are in. Maybe it's the hopeless health situation you're in. Maybe it's the sin that you have been living in and know that God wants something different. Do not miss this. God says through the writer of Scripture in Psalm 27, when it seems hopeless, when it seems unattainable, He says these seven words. In this I will be confident. He doesn't say I'm confident in myself. He doesn't say I'm confident in my abilities. He doesn't say I'm confident in my strategy. He says I am confident in Him that the Lord will fight for me. And as a church, I want to say this this morning. It's about time that we got a little bit of that back in us. Doesn't matter what Democrats say they're going to do to us. Doesn't matter what your lost friends and family say they're going to do to us. It doesn't matter what Hollywood is shoving down our throats. With the Lord, it is possible. It is possible to raise godly children in a generation that hates God. It is possible to have a marriage that honors God in a generation that says that marriage doesn't work. Saw a study this week that said, couples who live together before they are married, I know, I'm wading into it, but I don't care, are 15% more likely to get divorced than couples who do it God's way. That wasn't the Southern Baptist Convention. That wasn't even Fox News. It was an MSNBC study. Them people are wicked. But friends, I'm telling you this. Why? Because God promised that He would fight for you, that He would be with you, that He would do what He can do if we will just trust Him.
Third and final thing this morning, because it's just getting so good, I just want to go for hours, but that's all right. No matter our plans, God is victorious. You say, Jake, didn't you just spend 10 minutes yelling that at us? Absolutely. And I'm going to spend 10 more minutes. Because why? We have forgotten it. We look around and people don't want to come to church. They don't want to pray. They don't want to do. They don't want to serve. And what we look at is that we have been defeated. You turn on the news and it looks like everything is against us. And I am here to remind you that regardless of your plans, God is victorious. Look here in verse 15. They had taken a weapon. They had retreated to their city. And so what do the Syrians do? What do the people of Ammon do? Do they try to find peace? Do they try to reconcile? Do they realize we have faced some judgment? Maybe we ought to turn from this rebellion and find forgiveness? When the Syrians saw that they had defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Right? They're getting together to repent, I'm sure. They're getting together to realize they need to find forgiveness. Then Hadadizer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river. They had some in reserve waiting to rebel. And they came to Helam. And Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, went before them. When it was told David, he gathered all of Israel. Don't miss this. David's army went home. They were done giving him an old-fashioned butt whipping. And these people couldn't stop. Friends, I don't want you to miss the significance of that. How many times are we our own worst enemies? How many of you ever got in a conversation, you said something you shouldn't say, and instead of just shutting your mouth, you just kept digging the hole deeper? Uh huh. Sometimes it's not even bad, it's just dumb. Right? It's kind of like that guy whose wife asked him, does this make, dress make me look fat? You betcha is never the answer. But how many times does that happen? And what we see is these people could not stop rebelling. They could not stop defying. And friends, in your marriage this morning, in your relationships this morning, no matter what damage has been done, don't add more to it. If you've been hurt or hurt someone else, don't add more to it. Recognize today I have ran as far as I'm going to run from God. I have rebelled as much as I'm going to rebel. Because look what happens here. When it was told David, he gathered all of Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians and struck Shobak, the commander of their army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadadazer saw that they were defeated by Israel, don't miss this, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. I don't want you to miss this. Friends, you and I will submit to God one way or the other. You can do it willingly through the gentle drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit. Or friends, one day every knee will bow 
and every tongue will confess. You see, David wanted peace with these people in the beginning. David extended peace and mercy and kindness from the beginning. They said, we don't want that. We don't need that. And when they realized they had wronged him, instead of coming back and finding repentance and forgiveness, they rebelled even more. And after they took their first butt whipping, after they took their first correction, they could have said, I don't want no more of this. Friends, they didn't. They said, bring up everybody else. Bring up our allies. Bring up our mercenaries. Bring up everyone that we have to fight and then we'll be victorious. But they did not know that it was not David they were fighting. It was the Lord. And friends, in this passage of Scripture, they end up with nothing. They end up serving Him. Did you notice that? But yet they had peace. They could have been friends. They could have been equals. But their rebellion brought them into slavery. And I don't want you to miss this because it is so good. I had to read it somewhere else. promise you that. Friends, you are a slave to your sin. You are a slave to your sin and you are on your way to hell. But the God of heaven reached out to you in loving kindness. He sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to die upon a cross to take your sin and your shame, died and was buried and rose again to extend loving kindness to you. It's the word that was used in this text in chapter 10, verse 1. And friends, the Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you will repent from your wickedness, and turn to Him. The Bible says that you will be forgiven, that you will be brought into the family of God, you will be a joint heir with Jesus, you will be family. But friends, if you will not this morning, you will stay a slave to your sin. And you will stay an enemy to God. You say, well, I don't want to submit to Him. I don't want to serve Him. I don't want to follow Him. I don't want to make Him the Lord and Savior of my life. Friends, He is Lord and Savior whether you acknowledge it or not. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords and your opinion does not matter. You were not there when all things were made by Him and for Him and through Him. Friends, you were not there when He told the ocean it could only go so far. When He put the sun in just the right place that we would have enough heat to live. You were not there when He spoke everything into existence. And so His Lordship and His ability to save you from your sins is not dependent upon you. And so you can either acknowledge it or refuse it. That same authority applies to your life after you're saved. Your opinion on church doesn't really matter. It's what He says. Your opinion on forgiveness doesn't really matter. It's what He said. Your opinion on loving your enemies doesn't really matter. It's what He said. You see, friends, the world might tell you that you might claim to be a Christian, but you're just too broken. You're too much of a hypocrite. Their opinion doesn't matter either. It's what He says about you. And so that authority 
that power can be the greatest blessing you will ever experience. That the God of heaven fights for me. The God of heaven hears my prayers. The God of heaven lets me call Him Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Bible tells me that God is a high priest who sympathizes with me in every single way. It is the greatest gift that you will ever have. A relationship with the God of heaven. A relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the greatest gift God could ever give you. But friends, it can also be the worst thing if you're on the other end of that spectrum. Saying, I know He said it, but I don't care. Or I know I'm forgiven, but my life is mine now. Friends, God will fight against you. You will lose. So my prayer has been, Jake, get out of the way. Jake, let God deal with you in all of those areas that you don't want Him to deal with. Jake, don't worry about what other people think, what other people say, what other people... Just please Him. Friends, I don't know about you, but I want my children to know Jesus. Thank you. Three parents want their kids to be saved. I appreciate that. I want God to bless this church. Nobody. I appreciate that though. I do. But friends, it will not happen unless He does it. And it will not happen if we choose rebellion. It won't happen. You say, Jake, I want my family to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. It will not happen if you choose rebellion. You say, Jake, I want to be saved. It can't happen if you choose rebellion. And so today my encouragement to you is if you've chose repentance, trust Him. Trust Him in the storms of life. Trust Him in the valleys of life. Trust Him when it seems like there is no one fighting for you. He is. But friends, the greatest warning I can give you today is that if you've chose rebellion, God is fighting against you. You say, Jake, well, I'm saved and my areas of rebellion are small. They're just little areas of rebellion. They're just little areas of, I know this is what God wants for me. Friend, treason is treason. And every area of rebellion grows. Rebellions never stay small unless they're crushed. They always spread. They always continue to grow. It's like a forest fire. It spreads and destroys. And rebellion sometimes starts like this. God, I know that you want me to read your word and I know you want me to pray, but Lord, I am just so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm not a morning person. I don't like to read. And if you've told me those and I'm using them against you, get over it. It starts there. And then it's, well, you know what? I didn't really read what my Bible said, so maybe I don't have to love my enemies. Maybe I don't have to forgive those who have wronged me. Maybe I don't have to love Him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It begins to grow. Well, I'll forgive everybody but my spouse. They're stuck with me, for better or worse, right? That doesn't just stay there. It spreads. And so this morning, if you are in rebellion against God, don't make it any worse. Return today. You say, Jake, I've rebelled so long now. Would God welcome me home? Absolutely. 
absolutely this morning, no matter what you've done, what you've broken, what you've messed up, who you've hurt, this morning God will forgive you. And this morning, if you feel like you're drowning, trust Him. And so what does that mean for you if you're here and you're lost? Today could be the day that you repent of your sins and trust Him. And I promise you, He will save you. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for just being able to preach from Your Word. Lord, I pray that You know and will work in this church. God, I know that You know our hurts, our failures. God, You know our sins, every bit of them. And So God, this morning as Your Holy Spirit works and moves, God, I pray that this congregation would respond in repentance. God, I pray that I would respond in repentance. God, I pray that You would not... God, that You would not turn away from us. God, I pray this morning that You would work and move in the hearts of those that are here that are lost. Whether they are church members, whether they have been baptized, whether they are whatever their title is, God, that today Your Holy Spirit would do what only He can do and convict them. God, I pray this morning for the Christian who is saved. They know You as their Lord and Savior, but God, they have drifted from You. A little rebellion here, a little rebellion there. But today, God, You would show them that You will forgive them, that You will fight for them, and that You can make a difference in their life. And God, whatever else needs to go on in this place today, God, I just ask that Your Holy Spirit would accomplish it for His glory and not ours. And Lord, I pray that if I failed You in any way this morning, that You would forgive me. God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.